Welcome to Infinity Rewatch. Or maybe maybe it's not the same Infinity Rewatch you know. Maybe it's a different alternate version. I don't know. We're not telling yet. I'm Andrew Fantasia, and the gentleman with me has been burdened with glorious purpose. Who are you, sir? Your savior is here! <laughs> What's up, everybody? Ryan J. Whitehead here, and we're back. We're back with the new series. Oh, oh, yeah. It feels like it's been such a long time. It was only like May. It was the middle of May last time we did an episode, but it feels like forever ago. It does. It feels so long ago and like feels like so much has happened. since. <laughs> so, well, first of all, congratulations, because you are a married man now, sir. Is Everybody, Stop. look at that. Look at that. He's taken, ladies. Sorry. Um, yeah, but that's it. Fans, listeners. This is a married man, so please send your congrats. If you're sending us any comments or anything this episode, make sure that comes with a little, you know, send a little rose for uh, for our newly betrothed couple. Congrats, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, it was a wonderful wedding. We had um, the illustrious Andrew Fantasia join us as one of the groomsmen. Could not have been happier. We also had Anna, uh, who, who unfortunately could not be here today. As she's doing some work stuff, she's uh, she's got a lot of big projects on the go. Um, but she's she said, she, you know, we asked if she could join us on the next episode because we definitely got to hear her input. But she was the maid of honor for the wedding, and uh, we had a great time. We had a great time. Uh, I cannot wait to share you guys the photos we got. Uh, Fantasia and I were talking about it before the before our little VOD podcast thing um, that uh, he wanted to share some photos, but I told him to wait, just hold on. Because the photos we got from the amazing photographer Maureen is is going to be worth the wait. It's going to be so cool. They are just from what I remember of our angle. They looked good, so I can only imagine how they look through the lens of the camera. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, there's some fun stuff, and um, when we when we get them, you can find us on our social media, and you'll probably be able to see them there uh, for sure. And if you like this podcast. You'll like the pictures. That's all we're going to say. Ooh, <laughs> tease. We're doing a tease. Uh, now, a little show came out today on mm-hmm. the Disney Plus mm-hmm. called Loki. And that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about episode one of Loki. And then we got a little bonus topic that we'll save for the back end of the show, Ryan, because I've got a theory that I'm going to drop on everybody today. One of my crazy theories. Um because I think I figured it out, Ryan. I think I figured out what the next MCU, in air quotes, is going to be. I think, you know, so many movie franchises have tried to be the MCU and they've all failed. I think I figured out which one is going to do it right. I so. swear to God. I swear to God. If you end this podcast or end this podcast or theory on like Mephisto confirmed, I will be so beyond upset. Or if it's anything that has to do with the Nihilus, I will be just absolutely floored in anger. Like it just like, I will lose it. So it better be good. It better be good. Well, speaking of a Nihilus, we know she's coming. We know that Leslie Bibb has signed on for Captain America 7, a Nihilus Returns. Uh, so <laughs> that was confirmed in today's first episode of Loki. It pretty much started off with him staring down the barrel of the lens and saying, I can't believe Christine Everhart was a nihilist the whole time. No, <laughs> the time travel. Uh, 
<laughs> so you're oh, you are literally still vibrating from this show, Ryan, because you just finished watching it, right? Uh, yes, yes. I I I actually watched it twice. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's <laughs> that good. It's that good. Um, so yes, I came off uh, came off a second second viewing, um, and it it was totally worth it. Oh my god, it was. <sighs> It's the only way to, like, oh man, like I don't even know where to begin. But like, I think what Marvel has done with these these kind of spinoff series um, is really just just deep dive into these characters. Like, you know, they they keep saying like, oh, we have more time now to talk about more time to tell these stories. But really, it's kind of like they're just putting their their these characters on a pedestal, and they're just. They're just like stripping them down to like the core of the character. What makes this, what drives this character? And with Loki in the first episode, oh my God, did they just strip him? They just, they literally, literally stripped him, but they literally just tore this character apart and like just shoved this character's memories in this character's face. And it was epic it was epic to watch what a journey what a freaking journey oh boy the i i really didn't know what kind of story they wanted to tell that would justify a show just about loki and then we started getting these trailers of seeing you know owen wilson there with his groovy mustache he looks great by the way he aged so well love him um, oh, so and, good. And he, he's he's walking around talking about time travel, and then that gave me a better idea of what we were in store for. Um, but I still really didn't know where we were going to go, and you know what the point of this was. Uh, and we still don't know because you know it's only episode one. But from what I see so far, I'm really liking the direction it's taking. I'm really liking this sort of buddy cop thing they're they're starting with with Loki and Mobius. Now, how much of this, Ryan, how much of Agent Mobius and and the uh, TVA, how much of that is is something you've read already? How how much are you familiar with here? I'm actually pretty familiar with the the, the Time Variant Authority. Uh, uh, they are there's a couple of really good issues that if you're interested in reading, uh, you should definitely check it out. Um, the Sensational She Hulk has a great uh, comic run where she has to deal with the time variance authority and she has to go to, she goes to the time court and she has to plead her case um, about why she interfered with Hawkeye's predestined death. Um, so that's a great run. Um, there are uh, comics about agent Mor- uh, Morbius um, who has done all sorts of really cool uh, stories. There was the trial he did um oh my god there's a trial he did as well i think it was about the avengers so there i'm actually a little bit familiar with it um and uh and i i love it oh uh or agent morbius was on um not for the avengers he was on the trial for the fantastic four and their meddling of time to prevent obviously the extinction of like life as we know it um but he was the one that helped pass the fantastic four and not get judged as guilty Oh, okay. So he's he does kind of like the lawyer thing. Um, mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. this. I like this. Okay. Yeah. Um, he might be my new favorite character. He's just he's oh, so, so much fun. fun. Such a great character. I think I think he has the right kind of humor for Loki because Loki has had great humor throughout the whole 
a whole Thor series. I mean, he's been a, a fun character to watch, but how do you like Thor is kind of like, is, is kind of like a, um, uh, kind of like his antagonist of humor, right? They mm -hmm. kind of play off each other, uh, but their humor is very different. Where I think I think Mobius kind of gets him, like he just gets his the, the humor he has. Uh, there's a scene I love when they're walking through the hallway and we see Chronopolis in the background, and and he's like, you talk there's like I'm gonna burn the world, I'm gonna you know. Uh, burn the world and he's like oh great can we start with my desk like i love that zippy like one-liners that he does um and then like even still he's like uh he's like uh yeah he's like yep uh, this place is real as real as my paperwork which if you need some tinder to start that fire let's let's start with that right uh -huh. like his humor is such a great compliment to loki whereas whereas thor was kind of like the th there was a battle of humor Whereas, you know, uh, Mobius is the fun, the fun sidekick of the humor. Yeah. And, and they, it gives Loki a good foil to bounce off of. And then mm -hmm. at the end of that scene, I don't know if this was just strictly meant to be part of the joke or if this is something that's in the lore that we're going to explore later on. But Loki says, this place is a nightmare. And Mobius replies, no, that's a different department. Hey, I'll help you burn that one. Uh, what what <laughs> great, are we looking at there? Wilson impression. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I figured, you know, he's just he's just really wild about seeing Loki and burning up, you know. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> that nightmare world, is that a real thing? Is that like Doctor Strange nightmare? Where what 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 where is this compass pointing us? Uh, honestly, man, I, I love that we're deep diving into this already. Um, what I will say is, first of all, you know, one thing I love about Marvel is when we have we have a grounded we have a grounded story, which was Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then we got weird, like we just went straight mm -hmm. to the weirdest place you can go, uh, which is the Time Variance Authority. And yes, there is a a division i believe was the word they used was the there's a division for the nightmare um however it's all i think it's all a matter of language because in in chronopolis which i i'm pretty sure that place is called chronopolis um in chronopolis magic doesn't exist so obviously the language around magic is more science focused which is division so yes there's a nightmare division um, to which we believe Nightmare runs. Um, and then in Doctor Strange world, they're called Dimensions, right? So I, that's that's my kind of interpretation of it. Am I 100% right? Probably not. But I don't see why it wouldn't be that way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so yes. So I'm, 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 I'm starting to see kind of a connection to Doctor Strange, but this could be misleading as Kevin Feige has misled us before. Um, but I think this is a, a fun way to kind of get that conversation rolling. It, you're right. Feige has misled, especially in the shows. In the shows, he has been very misleading. But I mean, they got... This felt like the biggest reference Disney Plus has ever dropped to the future of Marvel, where they literally show the timeline skewing and say, if if a, an anomaly or whatever, if a variant is not stopped, the result will be 
madness, a multiverse of mad. Like they literally said those words. And I'm like, okay, if this is a fib, if Feige's pulling a big old fib and this has nothing to do with Doctor Strange, that's just mean. <laughs> He's just it's, mean. It's, that's just, uh, you know, that really irks me. That really steams my beans. <laughs> but honestly, Feige, Feige, I feel like with the writing team and the creative team, I've said this before, uh, and we've said this before on past podcasts as well. Um, I honestly think he's talking directly to the viewers. Like he's kind mm. of like he's kind of helping create that conversation between the viewer and the content, which is like, look, you know, Doctor Strange is coming, and this what could happen is we get nightmare. Like you know what I mean? Like it just feels like it's kind of like breadcrumbs, but at the same time, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like you're sitting in one chair and the content sitting in the other one. It's like, where's this going? And, and as cheeky as Kevin Feige is, he definitely has the business thing go down is like, it could go that way. And then it just leaves it. Everything is left with like this possibility, like anything's possible. Right. And I hate that because as fans, we just want to hear like, you know, yes, you know, uh, yeah. Spider-Man's going to be about this. Right. Whereas, um, whereas in this one, it's like, yeah, Nightmare possibly could be a villain in Doctor Strange. Do you think Kevin Feige is like this in in the real world too? Like, do you think his daughter's like, Dad, can you drive me to my baseball practice? And he's like, Maybe I can. Maybe I can't. <laughs> Stay after the. It's credits. not even maybe I can't. It's just, it's just it's it's the classic it's the classic line that even I've I've had to use from time to time, which is like I cannot confirm or deny, right? Like it's just but like anything's possible, like. You know, like, I don't know. like, But that's that's it. Like, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure if his kids came up to him, you know, I would love to be Kevin Feige's kids. But, um, but, but yeah, just have him be like, maybe I can take you to the game, kids. Maybe I can, like. One, on. one of his kids is, like, really idolizes, like, Jim Carrey or something. And he's like, well, hey, you know, I'm a powerful uh, producer in Hollywood. I, you want to meet Jim Carrey? And then he, he like takes his, takes his daughter to this place and he's like, okay, Jim Carrey's coming. And then it's just like an actor named Ralph Boner pretending to be Jim Carrey. <laughs> just like someone who does impersonations. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but yeah, I, I definitely think that to kind of bring it back in, like I definitely think that, that yeah, I think he's kind of leading us, leading us on a little bit here. And I, I would not be fully disappointed if it doesn't come to fruition because at the same time, like whatever we get is a gift. Yeah. Like, for example, to kind of kind of lead us into the next segment, the talking about the Nexus. Now, this is the second time we've heard the Nexus. Um, because, or, well, the first official time we've heard. No, did we? WandaVision, we heard the word Nexus, didn't we? This is the Nexus? I think, yeah, in the basement. Is yes. that what her Agatha's basement? She, she said, like, welcome to the Nexus or something? Yeah, I think something like that. I think we'll have to we'll have to go back on that one, ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but um, but yeah. So uh, Nexus event. Um, so clearly there's this theme happening now. What I love about this is I love the animation that explains the this whole thing because this could be the setup for the new rules of the MCU, and we'll get into that as we go on down the road a little bit. But Loki seems to not believe that, like, is, this is all an illusion. This is all just some big, this is someone's world, 
and you know they're just really trying to convince you that this, these are the rules and i love that he doubts that and we kind of get that indiana jones reference with the tickets please mm-hmm. and uh i love the i love the guy he's like god tell me i had to take a ticket and just gets completely uh, destroyed like erased from the timeline i guess i want to know what that guy did what how did he end up there yeah exactly right it's like my my first note that i had like as i was getting into the show was like i hope they explain why loki was brought here and like scott lang wasn't because they mm-hmm. all mess with time and thankfully they did address that where you know mobius is like well the avengers were always supposed to do what they did and you, you broke the rules um so that was that I'm, I'm sure I'm, I was not the only person who had that question too. So it was cool that they addressed that right off the bat. Now they, um, they hinted at something, I think in the closing credits that I thought was really cool. And it, it has to do with just like, I'm not jumping ahead to the credits because it has to do with like what I think the show's going to end up being about. But they, uh, when I started watching the Arrowverse last year, DC's Arrowverse, I started getting into that. And one of the shows there was Legends of Tomorrow, which is a time travel show. And I'm on a season of Legends of Tomorrow where the whole season is about something bad happened last season and it caused all these anachronisms to spot like sprout all over the world. And so now they have to go around and clean those up so it doesn't create paradoxes in time. Uh, and it looks like they're going really similar here. Like that's pretty much what the TVA seems to be doing. But there was an image in the closing credits that reinforced that that I thought was really cool where they showed like, uh, you know, the little cartoon image that you see on like a, a men's room like the little cartoon man and a washroom they showed that to signify like loki and then they showed all these variants where like the head was always a different shape you know the the thing i mean where like one of them had a diamond shaped head one of them had like a, a weird like square head and i was like oh so is this going to be about like there's a bunch of loki's running around and they all you know at some point in time he kept going around and creating the multiverse from what he did. And now their job for these next five episodes is going to be finding all these other Lokis. Cause that sounds like, I don't know if you, if you agree with me, but I, I think that sounds like that might be what we're in for here. Honestly, I really think that, um, I really think that we might actually see that. I feel, I feel that Loki himself as like this personality is the variant like you know what i mean like it's oh this unstable element and that's why we're kind of seeing a guy who looks pretty much like loki uh it gets gets completely erased from the timeline um but yeah and 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 the theme of the cartoon was that like there were different iterations of the same variant right Mm -hmm. um so i feel that yeah i think that he's going to be kind of maybe each episode or or at least two or three episodes he's gonna fight like off versions of himself yes and i would love that i mean how perfect too like how perfectly fitting that end game has this moment that sends loki on this journey right mm. it's because of end game and end game had to wrap up 21 movies but it also has that moment which if it ends up being what creates the multiverse, which looks like where it's going, then Endgame also created Phase Four and beyond. Like, how how cool is that? That the end of the Infinity Saga like has that moment that is going to be the catalyst for whatever Saga Two is 
And we can already well, see that kind of happening. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like even the way you pitched that, I mean, it sounds like that's why they called it the Infinity Saga. Ooh. See what I did there? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you're, you're right. Like, it's like, I love that, that, that small event could like literally kick off a whole new saga, um, that could lead in so many great ways. And, uh, we'll talk about that as well, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the rumor, the rumor is, is that the, the main villain of the Loki miniseries is going to be Lady Loki. Like I, that seems like there was that we had that Doctor Doom moment where it's like it, it looked like it was Doctor Doom. Like, mm -hmm. and even when I watched the show, it looked like it was Doctor Doom. But, but at the same time, um, but yeah, there the, when they said that the, the variant is you, like you're the villain essentially at the end. Um, I really feel like it's going to be you know every, I can't remember what the line is, but like. It's like the opposite reaction, right? So if Loki's supposed to be this variant um, and he's conflicted with being evil, then, of course, there's going to be an opposite who's just pure evil, like, you know, mm -hmm. the evil twin, if you will. Yeah, and I think you're 100% right about Lady Loki being our ultimate villain here. Is they, mm -hmm. th There was a moment here that, I'm thankfully, I think WandaVision has taught me to have a better <laughs> radar for when when Feige is is being a little sneak, when, mm -hmm. for when he's being sneaky Feige. So my sneaky Feige radar was uh, I'm going to patent that the copyright Andrew Fantasia 2021. My sneaky Feige <laughs> radar was on point in this episode because we get that moment that we saw a glimpse of in the trailer uh, in France in that cathedral. We got this dead person, and then Mobius asks that little girl who did this, and the little girl points to the stained glass window with Satan on it. And I was like, okay, if this was the WandaVision days, if this was way, way back in January, I would be like, oh, I'm a fist And I would start calling <laughs> Just <out>. drooling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> my, my sneaky Feige radar was ringing loudly in my head. And, I'm, and it just kept saying, Andrew, Loki wears a crown with horns on it. And I was like, okay. And right away... It it's it sought through the sneakiness, and I was like, "All right, Loki is responsible." So when we got that moment right at the end, where Owen Wilson's like, "The the person who who we're hunting is you," my radar kept that from being a shock. I was like, "Yep, yep, he's gonna say it's you. He's gonna say it's you. It's you." Okay. So, so the Lady Loki thing, I think, makes perfect sense, man. And I think uh, like I, I was not familiar with her at all until this show started being talked about. But from mm -hmm. what I hear, she's a really beloved like villain. Like she she leaves her mark. Like she, she's a cool villain. I don't know mm -hmm. when she was introduced. If she's from the Silver Age or if she's more modern. But from, uh, like, tell tell us about Lady Loki. What's her deal? Oh my God, uh, um, oh man, where to begin? Uh, <laughs> uh, she's been around for quite a long time. I'd have to say. Probably in the Silver Age, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, neat. Um, I would, yeah, I would say probably like late 80s, early 90s uh, was the Lady Loki kind of thing. Um, 
so yeah, I don't know too much about her, uh, but um, yeah, yeah, I would definitely say there's there's the Loki who can't seem to just get things right, but Lady Loki is one of those people that can just just turn things around. You know what I mean? Like just absolutely get things done and just be that villain that actually wins. So you know, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know that's that kind of classic comic book story is like what happens when the villain gets what they want. That's kind of the Lady Loki run, in, in my in my humble opinion. Okay, and, and from what I hear about her, and from what you've been saying too, it, it sounds like mm-hmm. she's just like where the Loki we're familiar with has been known to play both sides because he's sneaky like that. She is just purely like I'm a bad guy, like she's yeah. she's a self for blood. Okay, cool, and and. Speaking of bad guys, it was kind of, I don't want to say jarring, because that sounds like I'm speaking negatively. I'm not. I'm speaking positively. It was just, it was a very um, strange feeling to see super villainous Loki again, because we haven't seen him since like 2012, you know? Uh, So when he's in that room and he's like, I'm going to kill you, or when he's like, Casey, I'm going to gut you like a fish if you don't get me that cosmic cube. Uh, that was, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Loki was like straight up murdering people. Uh, and now, you know, since we have met a much more heroic Loki as he's evolved, uh, and as the show has been going on, I remember sitting there thinking, I say, remember, this is literally only this morning, but I remember sitting there thinking like, there's something so meta about the TVA and about Mobius and that whole thing, because it feels like, in this situation, Loki is Kevin Feige and the TVA are the fans where they're like, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. You can't step out of the timeline because we've already seen you progress that you can't do that. You can't. Undo it. And, and uh, I, I watched kind of with delight as, as Owen Wilson kind of got under that and he kept bringing it up and saying like, well, you know, you, you did this and you did that and you have to keep doing that because that's part of you. That's how you progress. And I was worried that we would, lose that progression as i'm sure a lot of fans were because loki has come so far he's had arguably the biggest arc of any character so to renege that and to have him leave the timeline and undo that arc in a way felt kind of sad it felt like a bummer to undo all of that storytelling so it i think that because of this my favorite scene in this episode was him basically watching all the mcu movies and seeing what he did with his life mm-hmm I couldn't agree more. And I, I love the way you said it, that the, the fans, and this goes back to what I'm saying with like how the show is talking to the fans. And there's this, this kind of dialogue because, um, and I, I think you painted a better picture because it does feel as fans, we want a certain timeline to play out. We want, want events to play out a certain way. And then we have this character Loki that Kevin Feige has created uh, within the MCU and and now is not playing by the rules. But I think as someone, as as Kevin Feige has earned the trust of the fans, he can kind of tell that story any way he sees fit now at this point. Like at this point, because the MCU is established, he can really have the creative freedom to just do the stories he wants to do um, and and just kind of have fun with it. Uh, the the thing that comes to mind here when you bring up that scene, and I I think my favorite scene is the the interrogation of Loki with with Mobius. Now, granted, it's like pretty much the entire episode, 
but I love the I love the arc of it. Like the the conclusion was probably my favorite moment uh, because it just defeats Loki in such a brilliant way uh, and defeats his like it's it's that classic battle that Marvel battle of wit. It's it's pure. It's not about the physicality of these characters fighting. It's like you can't win because here's why, and it's mm-hmm. this battle of logic. And it's it's the when Vision. It's the same thing in Wandavision when Vision fought Vision, and he, they 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 duke it out a little bit. But in the end, it's like, well, you know, here's the logic of the battle, and and they use their they use like science and stuff to figure it out. It's brilliant. Um, yeah. So. I agree with you. I, I really like that, but I think uh, Kevin Feige has built that trust. And I love that you bring it up now with the time stone and the infinity stones, because one of the big things we talked about, especially in Thor Ragnarok is how do you show, how do you show a character's power and especially a villain? How do you show that the villain is more powerful than the hero? And Hela, you did it the most brilliant way. What is the first thing Thor does? Throws the hammer and she just breaks it with her hand. Just, one just catches it just ah, i love it so with the time variant authority how do you make them seem more powerful than the marvel cinematic universe and like what do you do they they literally they literally did it in the show in the best way he discovers all the infinity stones and the guy's like oh yeah we just use them as paperweights yeah like just dismissed infinity stones right out of the gate like you think you think you know power you have no idea you don't even you don't even know like just (laughs) get them out like it like literally just toss that right out of the garbage like okay yeah you you finished you finished the infinity song you finished that okay so yeah you think you can just bring infinity stones in and solve all these problems f no just Mm -hmm. f no just Ah, they're paperweights compared to the time variance authority. And that's and that's that scene for me is like the best scene of the entire Loki series thus far. Because the next scene is he's sitting back in the room with the with the uh, Infinity Stone and he's just like I can't I can't do it. Like I can't go back. Like yeah. and it, and it, he comes to the realization of how powerful the time variance authority is. Yeah, he's literally stuck there holding the cosmic cube, and he's just like, "Well, tossing it in the air. Like this is <laughs> this is useless to me here. What am I going to do?" Uh, yeah. And I mean, if they ever, uh, when it comes to these shows, I'm always wary when they say, "And then you get a spinoff, and you get a spinoff." Like yeah. they're doing that with Star Wars, and I'm happy, but I'm like, "Okay, just be careful, you know." Don't. Yeah. But right off the bat, just after one episode of this, I, I was just sitting there, and I'm like, I would watch a whole series where every episode is just Mobius talking to somebody else from the MCU. Like imagine Thanos in that chair. And Thanos is like, I, I will crush. It. And Mobius is like, well, why do you want to crush people? Let's get to the bottom of this. Why, why crush? Like, <laughs> this would be the greatest walk film ever. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, honestly, my, my favorite part is, is when he's like, walk me through, like, why do you like hurting people? Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and Loki's, loki's confession is that it's it's not about the violence it's about the illusion of fear so he has control and that is huge for that character because (laughs) you essentially now have dissected the character down to realize how weak loki really is as a person like just like 
as a personality you know what i mean like that he's just neglected and like and and he was promised so much but really all he has is nothing and he's fighting for really nothing like that's and that's it and then the beauty of this and i think this is what comes with lady loki is if you give them everything they want they're literally just going to wipe everything out and they will have nothing in the end and i i can't wait to see that 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 point where those two opposing ends just meet and and what's that going to be like especially if they're the same person yes absolutely so all those fears that i think some of us had about like losing all this character development for loki by having him time travel like this those fears have now been tampered down in the first episode and then some because he's not only watched everything he's grown through um but he he has also had this therapeutic experience that the old Loki never had. So one could argue that already by the end of episode one, he has even evolved past Endgame Loki in terms of the growth that he's been through, which is phenomenal. Or rather, not Endgame Loki, sorry, but Infinity War Loki, uh, which is phenomenal. Like to to imagine that they could have pulled off such a feat in the first episode, and I, I think that that to me is what if I had to boil it down to one thing, the way they boiled Loki down to one thing, mm-hmm. that's what makes this show great already for me is that they were able to do, they were able to take that fear of like, I know it's weird that we're doing this and we're backtracking on this character you all love, but it's not going to ruin him. We promise. It's not going to ruin the 10 years of storytelling we spent on him. We promise. And in one hour, less than an hour, they made good on that promise. Uh, they, they made so good on that promise. And I, I will say too, just to kind of, just to add to that is I love that because I was worried. I'm like, okay, this Loki only has up until the first, this Loki's only up till the first Avengers. Like that's what this Loki knows, mm-hmm. right? Which means uh, uh, Frida's death um, and then Rag- the events of Ragnarok, like all that stuff. This Loki doesn't know any of that. So I was, I was curious whether or not that Loki is going to catch up on all the events that happened to him and i loved it i again it really drives home what happened what happened to loki in this this journey of his because you only get like small snapshots but like like actually i'll even i'll even paint that picture for you dark world when he finds out about the mother we only see him that like the the his his jail is destroyed but we don't really get to marinate with the pain that he went through and and the resolution of all this and i love that in this in the the montage of the things he did he learns what he has and and the scene like i love that he's in the verge of tears with thor that he's like i'm here brother like i'm like that that moment in ragnarok where he's like oh if you're here i'd hug you and he's like i am here and it's this this moment of of like actualization of of loki and and then to watch him watch himself die oh man genius and because we are so familiar with all that we got to just focus on loki's reaction so finally the reaction to all those things including his mother's death is right there on the screen it's it's that brilliant brilliant move of bringing the people in the back of the theater as well as the people in the front of the theater. It's just bringing them all together. Just bringing them all to the same point with the character, which is just like, that's just layers and layers of walls all coming together. And it makes me so happy to know, because I think I read this today, 
the the guy who wrote this, I think his name's Michael Waldron, also wrote Multiverse of Madness. So that puts me at an incredible amount of ease. Uh, that that movie is going to be um, oh, I'm so excited for that. Uh, Ryan, tell me about something that might be that's one of my favorite aspects of this show so far is the set design. Tell me what you thought of the set design of Loki. Oh man, I loved I loved it. It's kind of like this. I kind of say it's like the cusp of the '70s with like the it's the cusp of the '70s with a touch of Blade Runner in there. Like I can yeah. can only describe it that way. But the, there's a lot of references throughout the show that that play to the culture of Loki. Like there's the there's the Jurassic Park reference with Miss Minutes and like the DNA thing, which mm-hmm. I thought was really clever. Um, but in terms of the set design itself in the worlds, like when you see Chronopolis, it's it's very much a Blade Runner slash Fifth Element looking civilization. Um, and then kind of like the Time Variance Authority is stuck in this one. 70s pop culture kind of look and feel um which is really kind of fun to see and yeah i I just i think the set design is beautiful i what do i want to see now i want to see more of chronopolis i want to see loki i want to see less of this memory jumping stuff i want to see more of this like let's just go let's have them like break out of this facility and go and see this world that 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 he's in because it looks super cool. I, I think when I can't remember which actress said it, but the actress that worked on uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, she was like new to like the No Way Home movies. Um, she was saying that's like what Spider-Man's going to go through feels like you're going through a theme park. I think even what Loki's going through feels like a theme park. Now we have the cosmic world, so now we've seen what Xandar looks like, Morag, Nowhere ego you know we've seen what space looks like now we see what time looks like i I, just my brain my brain and the cool thing is i love that we saw kind of like a poster of kang there's a poster of kang on the wall oh i didn't realize that was kang i thought it was one of those three high beings because they kind of had a kangy looking thing on their head well, they all they all look like Kang. I mean, they're all like they they all seem like off versions of Kang, right? Yeah. So it could be the Council of Kang, and and just have like the different ones, right? So that's true. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just such a beautiful set. Honestly, I don't think they I don't think you could have come up with anything better. No the the nineteen seventies the set like the way they did set design and cinematography in the seventies is my favorite in all of cinema. I I just love the way it looks. Uh, And there was so much of that in there. You're right. There's so much Blade Runner, uh, particularly when they walk into the time theater for the first time and you just have that long shot of the table looked like when they take the Voight-Kampf test in Blade Runner uh, and the city. And there was also a lot of hints of there's a a James Caan 1970s sci-fi movie called Rollerball. And it has the exact same kind of look to it where you have uh, like the wood paneled walls, but then like you'll have this weird orange computer uh, and like glass things hanging from the ceiling. It, it, it just something about that warm combination of 70s colors always just gets me in the right frame of mind. Uh, and the TVA looked like that, like every room looked like that, just a different version of it. Uh, and like there, there's even um, there's a room in the extended cut of the original Halloween. Uh, and it's just like it's like a lecture hall and a college 
and Dr. Loomis goes into this hall and he's talking to some doctors and it's just a huge lecture hall where the walls and floor are all like a beige color and then all the seats are bright orange. And it just, it gets you in the mood for a Halloween movie right away. And looking at this, I'm like, that hall looks like it could exist in the TVA. Uh, it just, it made me so happy that they Absolutely. chose to go with that set design. Yeah. So I'm, I, I love the idea of seeing this place more and uh, it's just, it pleases me to look at. Now, the people who exist in this place, like for example, Gugu Mbatha Ra's character, um, she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. I'm so glad she's in the MCU now. I love her. This character, this judge, I'm pretty sure she's a comic character too, right? She's a big deal. She's powerful. Yes. Yes, she is very powerful. In fact, she's the love interest of Kang the Conqueror. That's her? That's her. What? Yeah. Oh, you just wrinkled my brain. Okay. Okay. Hold yeah. on. Oh, okay. Let me, let me get my, Okay. So <laughs> get your bearings straight here. <laughs> whoa. You just threw me for a Christine Everhart loop. Yeah. Um, okay. What's her name? Princess something? Uh, her princess Ravana Renslayer. Ravana Renslayer. Okay, that's her. Okay, yeah. so now. So, but Ooh. but we haven't seen her official name here. Uh, actually, no, sorry, she hasn't said her official name yet, but she's credited as Ravana Renslayer. Yes, and now that opens up a whole can of worms because in the one scene she has in this episode, Owen Wilson has putting all the moves on her. He is flirting. He, oh man. So if this is the case, if Mo, like I, I just thought she was, you know, another character and, you know, she would, she's like Mobius's, you know, she, she has a thing with him, whatever. Um, so if, if she is the woman who marries Kang, then I'll, love triangle. Is that, is that what's happening here? Like as Kang, does he hate Mobius? Is there a thing going? Does Mobius hate Kang? Is she, you know, wow. Okay. So what, now, let me, let me even blow your mind further. What if Mobius is Kang? <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Marinate with that. Oh my God. Okay. So he would do something to himself to make himself look like Jonathan Majors and have a cape is that where we're going i guess this is as good as mine i oh, mean oh man i mean why why like because here's the thing kang because there are rules to the way kang operates the mm -hmm. kang has his own rules but what if in order to get a certain way he is mobius well from what i what little i know of kang i know he has many sort of names like there's a point where he was like an egyptian ruler for like a big old time so mm -hmm. he's not always going by kang the conqueror no. uh, and he's not always blue if i'm not mistaken also so yep, yep. he can change wow okay man so that just wow that that that's that just puts a whole new spin on this show then are we watching the origin story of kang the conqueror without even realizing it no i don't you, know you, you got you got some Feige on you right now. You look like you know more than you're telling me. <laughs> I, I I have my theories. I have my theories. Um, to be honest, that one I I literally just came up with on the spot. 
but but it does but it does beg the question because you're right like i didn't i didn't pick up right away that he was flirting with her a lot but then once i started once you started explaining that to me it kind of just like instantly came came in like an epiphany because like if that's true why like why would he come in as kang if he wanted to convince time to play out a certain way because you can't just go in and just fix it you have mm. to motivate the pe- the characters to play a certain role in order for events to play out a certain way because if you go in and just fix it then it's not gonna it's not gonna work like you're just gonna like the the sequence of events that happens later you're just like not really it's just a reaction to your actions right but what if you make the character believe something or or need to do something and then you inspire that character to do the actions, then that would correct everything for you. Right. Oh boy. And I mean, look at everything we know about the whole buddy cop formula or not even the buddy cop formula, but the, the formula of here is an institution of law and they are going to recruit a criminal to help them catch another criminal. Cause that's what we have happening here. Of course. Yeah. What always ends up happening is the officer who gets stuck working with that criminal is a very law abiding officer. And after spending some time with that criminal and bonding with them, they become a little looser with the law and a little more casual when it comes to those kind of things. We know Kang is breaking all kinds of time laws. So dude, I think you just, you just found the hidden chain in the Kang link. Or the hidden link in the Kang chain. I can't even mm-hmm. talk proper order. You did to my brain what Kang does yeah. to the time-space continuum. Well, well, well I love done. that we have Ravana, but my curiosity is: is what role is she going to play in this story that could that that will involve Kang aside from this this one option we have, right? Because like, I feel like because the cartoon that you now have watched, you now know how Kang comes around and what motivates Kang to do what Kang does, right? which is because Captain America wasn't supposed to exist. And that caused the entire timeline of events to crumble. Uh, But I wonder if this Loki battle may, may end up affecting Ravana and may end up affecting the timeline. It very well may like Loki is doing things that are not supposed to happen. So that's that it is where we're headed. It's just, you know, what road we take to get there. Um, but that that, uh, that that's something that I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But damn, Ravana Renslayer, I'm so glad we got her. And I'm so glad we got to see her before we met Kang. Because just from what I've seen in the cartoon, she was like kind of like Mr. Freeze's wife. Like she just kind of frozen in stasis. So I'm glad mm-hmm. we got to know her first. Because uh, yeah. I, I still don't, I couldn't tell you a damn thing about Nora Freeze. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad I already know more about Ravana Renslayer than I do about Nora Freeze. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So she's I really blew your mind with that one. You did blow my mind. And I'm also really curious to know more about, uh, I don't even know if she exists in the real world, but about Miss Minutes. Because they put her on like the poster and everything. And I'm like, is she going to walk around like Roger Rabbit style next to Loki? Like what's going on? Who is this clock? Uh, So I don't know if we're going to see her again or not, but uh, I like Miss Minutes. She's cool. I, I think yeah, I, I love Miss Minutes. I think it's Tara Strong that plays that plays Miss Minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that skit. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. I don't know if we'll see kind of like a Roger Rabbit appearance of Miss Minutes. I, I mean, maybe maybe as kind of like a gimmick, but I don't think as a character. 
Um, I don't know. It's tough to say, man. But at, at this point, for me, like I, okay, so earlier on, I talked about a checklist. So if you break down WandaVision, we had, we had, um, we had obviously our familiar character from, you know, the Avengers, what have you, with Wanda uh, and Vision. And then we had a cameo slash introduction of a new character, which was Spectre. Uh, or sorry, Spectre. Yeah, Spectre? Spectrum. Spectrum, thank you. Uh, and then we had, then we had uh, two cameos of, uh, we had two cameos of characters we've, we've seen. So overall, uh, we've had, so hold on, let me just do the math here. So we've had Wanda and Vision. Then we had the villain. So we had Agatha Harkness, who's a character. And then we mm -hmm. had uh, a cameo slash character introduction with Spectrum. And then we had a cameo with uh, two cameos with familiar characters, which is, um, give me a second. Darcy and Wu. Yes, Darcy and Wu. Thank you. And and then we had uh, then we had Quicksilver. Then we had like the mix match character Quicksilver. So we had yeah. like seven things, seven characters that are going to take place, right? And then the same thing with uh, the same thing with um, freaking uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Same formula, mm -hmm. right? Because they had they had the two main characters, and then we had uh, then we had uh, the cameo with Baron. Uh, uh, oh my God, Baron Zemo. Then we had the villain who technically was, or no, we had the villain who was Flag Smasher. Uh, and then we had, uh, then we had uh, US Agent. And then we had the fun twist cameo character that came in with uh, Julia Trifus's character. And Batrock the Leaper. And Batrock, yeah. So that's another seven. Okay. So, so we need seven. Yeah. So it, it's the, the nice little, what I call the Rogue One formula of, <laughs> a new thing. It's a new yeah. ice cream, but there's old sprinkles on it of things we know. Uh, right, right. So with this one, we have Mobius, Ravana, Loki. So that's three. And then if you count Lady Loki, that's four. There's still if we count Lady. Well, I mean, granted, we're we're still on episode one, so who knows? But is no, no. We should know <laughs> by now, all right? Should know. Are you saying Miss Minutes is Mephisto? Confirmed. <laughs> You heard it here first. Wow. Um, so it, I think that would be the safe bet then. And I think, would you agree that we're going towards Lady Loki as our person who burns the wheat field in Oklahoma? I think, <laughs> I think that, I think that's the safe bet. I think that's the safe bet. I think it's mm -hmm. Lady Loki for sure. It makes sense to me. There's some clues that give it away. Uh, one of which being that it, it, they explicitly say on Loki's profile that his gender is fluid. So, yes. so that indicates to me that Lady Loki would be the obvious, obvious choice. Um, yeah, I think that's a safe bet. I don't know. I don't know. I would love to, for it to be like Doom or Mephisto, but I don't know how you're going to just throw them in there like that, to be honest with you. I know, yeah. This does, as much as we got pumped when we saw that cloak in the trailer, this, especially now after watching this episode, this does not feel like the right place to put Doom. This does not feel like where you introduce Doom at all. 
I mean, uh, it, in terms of right place, it could be. I mean, I, I could, I actually, I could actually argue against that. I could say, of course, it could be. This would be a perfect place for Doom because Doom needs. To, if Doom wanted to secure his destiny as like being the ruler of Latveria, but also being the solution to all problems, why wouldn't you start with the Time Variance Authority in terms of a scientist? being able to get the definitive answers from the time variant authority if he, if he would ever to succeed, how would he do it? That's totally a doom move. Why it's, definitely, it it's definitely something he would interact with. Yeah. Uh, I, I just feel like the, the way that they would want to set up that domino would be because he's already a weird, like he's an already an over-the-top kind of villain as it is he would be more impactful if you introduce him in something more grounded like Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because if, if Bucky and Sam walk down a road and they look up and they see a castle and there's Doom on top with lightning and he's like, I will crush everybody. Bucky and Sam's reaction is going to be more appropriate than Mobius's reaction being like, wow, that guy's a real bad dude. Like there, it's going to be, it, it fits more... Uh, the other characters reacting to it and having to deal with it as a problem feels more like a problem for them than a problem for these people we've met today. Right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But uh, Mephisto's definitely confirmed now. We know that for sure. 100%. 100 Because <laughs> he that, saw him that's... in that stained glass window, so it's got to be him. That's got to be him. <laughs> I mean, oh man, I know Feige is just sitting back and laughing at us as we just like scrounge for clues. Like, yeah. I'll never forget one of the videos where he's saying like, oh man, I, I always read the rumors that like people come up with and stuff. And he's like, he's like, sometimes like, man, they are way off. Other times it's like, how did they know? So it's like, <laughs> and I hate that he said that because it's like, you know that there's people out there that got it right. But at the same time, who got it right? Who is the right? I know. He should come out with those things after the thing has come out so he can say what they were. Like, I can't believe people guessed that the the Hulk would fight the Ancient One in Endgame. Like, I want him to, to do a specific. Um, so, thankfully, our sneaky Feige radar is working. Uh, if we're, like, we're, we're maintaining expectations here. Yes, exactly. We know when we're being led astray. If you would like your own copy of a sneaky Feige radar, you can just email me $400 and I will send you one, uh, I promise. <laughs> uh, Ryan, do you have any final thoughts on our premiere episode of Loki before we, we move on to, uh, to my theory? I want to get to the theory segment, but what I will say is this is exactly what I want from Marvel. Like, yes. you can't, you can't, if, if you think this show is bad, I'd be very curious as to hear why. Like, why do you think this is bad? Um, to be fair, it's only one episode. We don't know where the story's going. Um, but this is this is what Marvel should be. This is what comic book storytelling should be, is these these fun, fun character-driven stories that are weird, but at the same time full of heart and truth and honesty. And it's just like, and getting to the morality of the character. I, it's for me, it's just it's it's the perfect Marvel story. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Falcon and Winter Soldier. I loved it. But it wasn't a groundbreaking story. It was just a fun story. And, and it, I think that it definitely, in terms of, if we were to talk like how it did groundbreaking things, it approached some very, very serious topics that, it, that I think was very, very 
um, courageous of them to do and, and approach. But um, in terms of like, in terms of a comic book experience, it was just that it was a great story. It was just a great story. But Loki is like, that is like when you pick up that comic for the first time and you don't know what you're getting into. And to me with the MCU, like, I just want more. Like as if I keep wanting more, then they're obviously doing the right thing. Like I want to see what a Moon Knight show is going to be like, right? Mm-hmm. We, we now know Oscar Isaac for sure has been confirmed as Moon Knight. Um, but like, I want to see what that's all about now. I want to see what a She-Hulk show is going to be like. I just, I want, I want more. I want more. This is, this is the Marvel I know and love. And now everyone, everyone's on the Marvel train and I love it. Yeah. This, I, I, I'm sure, you know, like you, you said, you'd be really curious to hear why people hate this if they hate it. Uh, and, and you're right. You brought up a great point. Like it's only episode one. So there's, there's so much more to unravel there. Um, like I'm sure there are people who still find a way to hate this because they're, they're, even though it's only episode one, like there, there are people who hated Force Awakens because they're like, it didn't tell us everything about Snoke. So I'm sure somebody's sitting there right now going, Loki sucks because we don't know who the the evil person is and they didn't reveal and Loki did not defeat them and finish all the story. Like, so there, uh, oh, there's somebody out there who hates it. There's, there's, uh, there's a variant out there who is not pleased with it. Well um, said. But, but uh, I, I think that it's just, it's a ton of fun. It's beautiful world building. And I think of the three Marvel pilots we've gotten this year, it's the one that has me most excited to keep watching. It's the one that has made that gulf of seven days feel the widest. Uh, so kudos, Loki. You're, you're doing it, man. You are, in fact, burdened with glorious purpose. Wow. Wow. Well played, sir. Oh, that was good wording. I wish we could stop there because, you know, that would be the best place to stop it. But we got theories to talk about. So let's let's hear them. Let's. Okay. so this is like this is not Marvel. uh, So it's it's a theory that, you know, anybody could really even if you're not a huge MCU fan, this is something that you could have an opinion on. But if you're not an MCU fan and you're listening to this podcast, let's talk. (laughs) I'm very curious to know what you're doing here. Uh, But Ryan, I think I've figured it out in terms of what is going to be the next MCU? What is going to be the next cinematic universe that touches as many hearts and souls as the MCU did? Because let's face it. Wait, you mean saga, right? Like what's the next saga? No, not the next saga. What's going to be the next movie franchise, not Marvel, that is going to make as big an impact as Marvel has. Okay. Because, I mean, look how many people have tried since it started, right? DC obviously tried, as they should have, and, you know, they they didn't really hit that uh, nail on the head. Um, like, uh, the Universal Monsters tried. Uh, they didn't, they got even less far than DC. Godzilla is trying to do it. Uh, arguably, Fast and Furious is trying to do it, etc., but there's just something magic about Marvel and the way their stories are and the way their, their characters are presented and just the way they look on screen that has not been duplicated at all. I feel like maybe you disagree, but I feel like nothing's even come close. Did you say that's fair to say nothing's even come close? 
I, I'm trying to think of a case and I would say nothing, nothing has come even remotely close to, to what Marvel is doing. I mean, I'm, I'm really trying, buddy, and I, I can't think of anything. There's not much. There's not much that can touch that level of, of just fandom and what it's done. So I was like, there's got to be something. There has to be something that can also hit these heights, even if it's not as good at least hit the same kind of heights and be the same kind of movies. Cause that's important. And I think I figured it out uh, because there is a movie in the works right now. So we know that it's starting um, and it fits all the same criteria as Marvel. It's something that almost everybody all over the world has heard of. But it's still very niche enough that, you know, the fan base is relatively small. As relatively small as Marvel's fan base was in, like, let's say, 2004. You know, so it has millions of people love it, but our moms don't love it. You know, our, it, it's, it's not, the people in the back of the theater don't care about it. Okay. So it has that exact same thing. It has... Had an enormous amount of world building over decades and decades of world building, including very colorful characters uh, from very different kinds of worlds. Uh, so it's not all kind of like stuck in one world. It's very, there's lots of different branching paths, which is very marvelly. Uh, it's a very um, fun, family friendly franchise that can go very dark, but it's never been meant to be, you know, it's never been meant to be like an R-rated thing. It's okay. meant to embrace everything. And I, you know, when I, I put all these pieces together and I'm like, this has all the same ingredients as the MCU. If they just get the right people behind it, I think it will work. I would love to know your thoughts, Ryan. I think the next cinematic universe that's going to make this kind of impact is Dungeons and Dragons. Wow. Okay. Now, okay, so you're saying you're saying like a TV show or a movie? The movies cuz they're coming out with a movie, like a big budget movie with plans for more if it does well. And I think they could do, you know, we could reach a point in like 2040 where there are 23 Dungeons and Dragons movies set in the D&D universe that are these big, colorful action adventures that everybody loves. And there's little kids who are having Dungeons and Dragons parties because they love it so much. And it draws from all this lore that's been out there since the mid seventies of all these, because there are characters in Dungeons and Dragons lore in like books and supplements and different worlds and cities and villains and heroes. It's all there. It's all there waiting to be adapted. And I think it's going to be, I, there's a character named Drizzt Dordan who's like a dark elf. I think we're going to hit a point because of these movies where our moms will be as familiar with Drizzt Dordan as they are now with Iron Man. I love it. I, I honestly think you're onto something for sure. I mean, people do, I, I think the popularity that Dungeons and Dragons has had is uncanny. I mean, it's, it's, I remember when it was like practically the most quiet thing in the world. Like you'd have to really dig to find communities that do Dungeons and Dragons. 
now it's just a matter of going online and and you know i mean there's twitch channels there's youtube channels all doing their D parties and and i agree with you i think that that kind of storytelling is very unique and very fun and you could easily expand on that and do a whole like you said a whole cinematic universe on it i agree i agree yeah i'm glad you agree I, I, it's it's doable man it's and like they have it wouldn't be generic fantasy either because they have so much stuff that is like unique to them like so like they have so many monsters who are unique to dungeons and dragons like yeah there's like goblins and stuff that you see everywhere but then you have stuff like beholders that's only D. The Beholders only in D&D. You have these other monsters called Tarasks and Mind Flayers. You have this villain who's like a Galactus-level villain called Tiamat, the Queen of Hell, and she's this dragon with like 12 heads, and every head is a different color and shoots a different thing out of its mouth. Like, it's all there, and it all feels like what Marvel has been doing. Uh, and, And they don't have to worry about feeling bland. I mean, like, it is just a movie where people with swords fight monsters. Like, oh, it's a... It's a movie where the ranger and the wizard team up with the cleric to fight Tiamat, the queen of hell. Like it, it just feels right. All, all the ingredients mm. feel right. I, I couldn't agree more. I think why I think it works is because it's the, it's the George Lucas thing. And even, cause even Feige does it too. Even Feige does the George Lucas thing, which is it's the books, the, the, you know, the toys, the, the merchandising, because in the end, the movies, as long as the movies of Dungeons and Dragons are good, then really the the adventures continue in the books and the and the and the D and D experience, which you can play and mm-hmm. and have your own involvement in the story. Which for someone like me, that's like the best kind of storytelling is that when you have a chance to be involved in the in the storytelling experience. So one hundred percent, man, I think you're. I think you got it i was i was honestly gonna ask you where you think it was going with the saga for mcu to be honest with you oh no i mean that's still unfolding and you know that'll be that'll be a nice surprise to see i'm sure it's you know christine everhart because why wouldn't it be but uh i mean i've i've just been trying to rack my brain to be like we marvel can't be the only ones who know how to do this there's gotta be other studios and other franchises and, and this one just felt like uh everything was there everything all the same ingredients were there i was like it can't taste different if you're making with all the same things and there's even like you know um you know that old boba fett action figure that's like really famous because it was like the first one they made of him and then they recalled it because it was like dangerous or something so now it's like super rare and hard to find yeah that little story well in the 80s they had that dungeons and dragons cartoon and there was a villain in that cartoon who was very Boba Fett-esque, where he was like not on the main side of the villains, but like every once in a while they would hire him and he would show up and he was really cool. And he had like a big black helmet with wings on it. I forget his name. I think he had like half his body looked like one thing and half looked like the other. And he looks like an like a Marvel character. And he had the same kind of deal. His action figure, something was up with it. And you, like, you couldn't find that toy anywhere. Uh, and I can just totally picture that guy popping up in a movie like this. It's it's just all there. It all fits. Lock it in. It's happening. Lock, there you go. Lock it in. I will say as a as an end credit thing to this this Loki episode one with the D and D. And again, I I love D and D. My brother plays it quite a bit. Um, he he. I played it with him a few times. I absolutely love it. It takes a real creative mind to build a whole 
dungeon master experience like i can't even begin to tell you however for when it comes back to mcu and talking about sagas i actually am pretty convinced uh, i'm pretty convinced kang might be the big the big villain the big the big villain for this one this saga and i think it might end with the secret war Ooh, I think that makes perfect sense, dude. I think Kang is a perfect choice for the big villain. Um, just because of his powers alone mean you can do so much. And not only that, but he could be the big villain and not just in like the last two movies, the way Thanos was. He could be the big villain of the saga for the whole saga because he can literally hop around in time and do shit. So I hope they go that route. For sure, I hope. They I hope that. they do because, and I hope they do Secret Wars because then it then it kind of comes full circle with Loki in the smallest episode because the, I think the Secret War would take place as a Nexus event, and Ooh. it would be like this big, big, humongous battle uh, to save time as we know it uh, because the time. I mean, the time the time variant authority said that. You know, there was a big war and the 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 timekeepers came in and, uh, you know, prevented life as we know it from wiping out and created the, the sacred timeline. What better way to establish a villain than to say that if, if they didn't save the world or save time, then time would have been like wiped out. Right. So essentially mm-hmm. they brought order to chaos and I think that's a brilliant setup for a villain because that means like Kang's like, no, you got to listen to me because if you don't, the world's going to explode. But really, you know, goes back to Doctor Strange, which was about time and not messing with the laws of time. Um, and and I think that because like Doctor Strange in the first movie, he solved that problem, which was, you know, you had to you had to bend the rules a little bit. You got to you got to let life be life you know yeah it's the the connections have already been laid in the infinity saga so it's all already unraveling mm-hmm. um i agree man kang kang is coming and he's pissed uh and i'd be pissed too if if i was in love with gugu and batha ra and something happened to her i would be very upset um yeah. so that's there there we have it loki Episode one and Dungeons and Dragons. It's a two for one deal. You got them both. Maybe we'll throw in an animated featurette with Miss Minutes. I don't know. I'll have to to draw very fast. I can't promise anything. Let's hear your best Miss Minutes impression, Ryan. Oh, God. Uh, I think she was Southern. There, there's the Tom Variance Authority. (laughs) Yeah. I would say it's very Dolly Parton inspired. A hundred percent. Oh, I love it. What well, that that there's no better way to close off than that. Uh, so, uh, Ryan, where can the people find you uh, now that you're a hunk of married man? Uh, what's what's uh, what's the social media issue for you? Where can people hunt you down? <clears throat> people can hunt me down on Twitter at uh, at Crusader Online. And uh, again, if you want to see more of my personal stuff, you can always find me on Instagram at Ryan J. Whitehead. Uh, and yeah, the, and, and of course, you can catch me streaming on Xbox Canada at twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. Woo! And you can find me 
on Instagram and YouTube at Andrew Fantasia. And you can also find me here on Rebel Scum Podcast where I talk about the Star Wars and Boba Fett figures that put kids' eyes out with missile launchers and uh, probably Dungeons & Dragons things too. Who knows? Because if those movies are going to be as good as I think and hope they are, we might end up having another podcast where we talk about them because we'll be obsessed with them and it will be called D&D Rewatch. I don't know. We'll probably have a better title than that. And we'll definitely get Nick if that happens because you said you played them and I didn't know that. So, boom, now we have an expert. I really want to know what Nick thinks of that idea. Uh, but anyways, this has been Infinity Rewatch, the first episode of Loki. As Miss Minutes would say, have a marvelous day, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>